I'm just looking for the training pool. I don't know about training pool, though. You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, Recorded live. And, and what's the tool you're talking about? Which, oh, that's the one where you had down here? Scuba Shack to install a training pool? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I caught that, and I just thought it was funnier with the L off. <laughs> uh, we are live. Scuba Obsessed Weekly Podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba in the news. Obsessed episode 168 was recorded live August 1st, 2013. Welcome back to Scoob Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson and I'm from the wine side of the state of Michigan. Joining me, joining me this week, we have Mac, the dive mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? I'm doing pretty good. How do you mean wine, by the way? Is it wine or wine? Well, we've got a bunch of grapes and wineries, and I just thought it was appropriate to say the wine side of the state. I thought you meant because you were whining earlier in our conversations. Well, I, I think that, too, because I get to miss out on all these dives you guys get to do during <clears> the week. But And uh, also, we've got joining us this week, we have another co-host. We have Jim Schultz. How are you doing today, Jim? I'm doing better than you. I'm not whining. <laughs> <laughs> Want some cheese wine. with that wine? Yeah, too much wine will make you whine. Nah, I've got rum. That just that kind of takes the edge off. So when I when I look at all the diving you guys are doing, which is awesome, by the way, it just uh, am I too young to be wishing to not be working? <laughs> yes. There are advantages, aren't there? Yeah. I, was, I had uh, some friends over this last weekend, and one of them, uh, she manages a retail outlet, and she says, I've been looking for workman's comp for the te- last 10 years. I called it this year, and I still haven't gotten it. So I don't, I don't think it quite works out the way that you want it to. Well, let's go ahead and jump on into the news. We'll get that knocked out of the way because I want to hear about all the great diving that's been going on. I should have preloaded some of these articles. Oh, they're asking a chat room. Oh, no, they're talking about rum and coke. See, I, I, I got some here. You can hear it in the glass. Dark or light? I've got the, not that they're a sponsor, but I wish they were, Captain Morgan's. Yep. So it's the spiced, I, I mean, I'd love to go for the, you know, their dark black label, but uh, this is the the run-of-the-mill spiced Captain Morgan's. In the chat room, they're saying light Bacardi 90 proof. That's good. I started with Bacardi. That was my, my first rum of choice. I, I like, and I'm doing Diet Coke and rum. I like the... Diet. Tito Bacardi knows how to throw a party. Yeah. Bacardi's the sponsor of the uh, Port Huron to Mackinac race, sailboat race, and they throw a party. He's been up there a few times with the Bacardi girls. He has a tough life, I'll tell you. So so that's what that's what he's got to do. He has to go around and hobnob and bring people with him and a lot of rum? Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, he's, he knows how to throw a rum party. Daiquiris all around. Oh, and I keep forgetting to do this. So here we go in the chat room. You can follow along with us. We have veterans taking a plunge for science. 
This one's out of Key West, a full dive gear. Billy swam smoothly through two feet beneath the surface of the pool. Uh, Billy was wearing a prosthetic right leg and a special forces engineer in Afghanistan. He lost his leg above the knee when he stepped on a landmine. This week he was participating in research for Special Forces Underwater Operations School. Costello and five other amputee vets were in the water to help gather data for researchers to help develop better prosthetic limbs for scuba divers. It's a great program, he said. There's not a lot of qualified underwater research for guys like me to get back in the scuba. The next generation of prosthetics will be driven by the input we give. This research is part of the Combat Wounded Veterans Challenge, a program founded by retired Navy Captain David Olson in 2010 to improve the lives of wounded vets through extreme outdoor challenges. Past challenges included an ascent of Mount Kilimanjaro, an eight-day wilderness hike into the Grand Canyon. The military likes a challenge. It's not a challenge. It's not worth doing. <clears throat> so, excellent program. I'm kind of surprised that they have aimed it specifically at scuba diving. So they're they're talking about making a limb specifically designed for scuba diving, which I'm all for. Well, part of it is a little bit different in the balance. If you're doing a, a hard hat set with dry suit, the, you're not as much worried about the buoyancy aspects mm-hmm. if you can compensate for your weight. But if you're in a scuba set, I think the dynamics is a, a good bit more different. Yeah, it, it, it could throw you off because you, if you weren't balanced on each side. Yeah. Um, this does make me remember something, Mel. Uh, remember Carl Brashear? Remember the movie Men of Honor? Yeah. The Black uh-huh. Diver? Yeah. By, uh, okay, Carl was the first. And uh, when you talk about it, remember, he lost his leg and he continued to dive after that. He was the first Navy diver to be uh, restored to full active duty as an amputee. Okay. And the other aspect about that, he just died, by the way. Uh, he he died uh, July 26th. Hmm, interesting. Uh, played by right, Cooper right. Gooding Jr. He, right. I take that back. He died in 2006, but I was just reviewing that because he was one of the first to be an amputee and then continue to dive in that capacity. So this sort of goes into it, like you're saying, one scuba, one hard hat, but it's still a... Uh, a good step to go into. Yeah, well, it's, it's a good use of the research. Oh, man. it's To me, what is encouraging is the can-do attitude these guys have, the military guys have. You know, you lose two legs, and you're coming back, and you're still on Green Beret. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine what that takes? If, if I lost one, you know, am I going to go on disability? I can't work anymore, blah, blah. These guys work around it. Uh, you got to give them credit. That's all I got to say about the, Certainly. those guys, military vets who got banged up like that. Didn't mean to divert. I just no, uh, no, uh, good perspective. Next up, we have a. Let's see. This is Northeast Scuba Diving Club is holding a fundraiser from the RNLI. So I'm assuming that's Royal Navy Life something. I went looking around, and I couldn't find out what it is. It's one of the tricks. When you write an article, <laughs> you should put what the acronym is. So, But I'm sure everybody who they expected to read this would know. But they're doing the fundraiser. It's a charity event on August 20th at their base in the Louisa Center in Stanley County, Durham. Club members, friends, and family will attempt to swim, snorkel, and scuba dive a half marathon in an hour, approximately 520 links of a standard pool. The event will run from 8 to 9 p.m., <laughs> At the center to raise money. I don't know why I thought that was funny. Roy, okay, tweeting. He, he's correcting me. He says the Royal National Lifeboat Association. 
So yeah, I, I figured somebody would would know what that is. So in an hour, 500. So it must be uh, collectively, they're trying to do 520 links. Because I think even in a boat, you'd have a hard time zigzagging back and forth in that time. Yeah. So if you're in that area, there's a fundraiser going on. Another way to raise money, we have a Melbourne scuba instructor to stay underwater for 24 hours to raise money to fight cancer. This is in Melbourne, New Jersey. Local scuba instructor Rob Morris and Chris Province will be spending the full 24 hours underwater in effort to drown out cancer. Morris and Province, who teach scuba diving to underwater athletic club or underwater adventures dive center in Short Hills, will be diving into Kim Swim Pool Academy pool in Devonville on Friday, August 2nd at noon, and remain there until Saturday noon. They hope to raise a significant amount of money to donate to the American Cancer Society. And then somebody else who I understand has just broken the world record for freshwater underwater diving. That is Jerry Hall. I don't know if, if, if it was just recently reported, so I don't know if it's been verified yet. Uh, it says he has officially broken the world record for the longest freshwater scuba dive. He, he broke the record 120 hours and 14 minutes, and that was just after noon today. He plans on staying in the water until noon on Friday. I'm sure if you follow our feed, we'll have an update when he comes out. He says, I'm doing good. He said through a speaker on the surface, I'm very confident we'll break the record. Uh, he filled most of his time underwater by watching TV. The TV was constructed by him and a member of the Kingsport Fire Department. He says the TV has taken up most of his time. He, he also has uh, collected books and music for him when he gets bored. He hasn't had to use them. The team set up swim lines so he could swim. If he was bored, he has swam once. He likes the TV. Time goes by quicker for him. He is doing so good mentally. And do they say who he's ra- trying to raise money for? I think it's interesting how he uh, compensated for the immersion of his feet and his hands, where they were putting on a special cream on his gloves and the socks to keep his hands and feet from getting too screwed up, which it will do after many, 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 many hours in there. So he put like a cream on? Yeah, it's a, a type of cream. And he put it in his gloves and socks every 12 hours. That's that's really smart. Mm-hmm. Well, I think he's done this before. Like I think he, lessons learned. Yeah, I think he may have had the record before and then it got broke again. Uh, let's see what else they say. Uh, let's see. He's been. He said sleep has been sporadic so far. His first night he slept for maybe three hours, but Tuesday night and a Wednesday morning saw him get more sleep. He slept seven hours that night and took another nap in the morning. So when he's sleeping, is that? Would you say it's full face mask? It would sound like it. I don't know how the hell you're going to do it if you didn't have it. I, mean, I guess you could duct tape the regulator. In Did your you mouth. see any pictures? Because I didn't. I didn't hit the. Uh... There, there's the second article's got a uh, a video, and he's just using a. I can't tell what brand of regulator, but uh, he he doesn't have a full face mask on that one. Full face would make a lot of sense because then you get comms too to be able to communicate with the surface. You know, I just wondered also if they didn't think about putting a telephone booth then for your shoulders and head. That way you could go in and eat pretty good. Yeah, that makes still sense. Still underwater. Yeah, because you can go in, take off your rag, let your face dry a little bit, and then actually have some food. And if they were smart, then you could have it so the telephone booth would go up and down uh, where they could replenish it with uh, food, water, whatever right there and not have to send it down. That's an idea that if we start to do that, we need to make an underwater telephone booth. Are are you are you suggesting that uh, you want to go and compete for the the, the break this record? 
Uh, if we could get the uh, support and they want to watch some old fart be doing that, uh, I'd be more than game to try that. That ought to be fine. You heard, you heard it here first. <laughs> I'm you up notice for I, it. You, you notice I said the economic support? Economic support? What? You, you don't think we could get wolves to kick in a little air for you? Well, it's not just the air. I'm sure that cost a couple of dollars. Oh, no. I, I think... I think we could, uh, you know, if that was something that we wanted to do, we'd get some fundraising going on. Something, something worth talking about. Okay, let's see. What's the next one we got? And we got uh, Joe Scuba Shack to install poo. <laughs> I think that was a bad clip and cut and paste on my part. still think it's funnier that way. It's actually they're installing a pool. Yeah, I just waited to read the article. Uh, this one's at Grand Junction, Colorado. Joe Scuba Shack is adding a new training pool in the building that will offer... More classes as a result. The pool will be five feet deep by 12 by 23 inches. We'll have room for up to five people in the pool at a time. You're going to be very friendly if it's 12 inches by 23 inches. (laughs) You're putting five people in it. You you better poo before you go in, that's for sure. (laughs) A new class will be offered at night to allow more people to become certified divers. Children will get a chance to participate in the bubble-making discovery classes and SEAL training. That, I think they meant five feet deep by 12, that says inches. I'm looking at the pictorial, and it's got to be feet. Yeah, yeah, their fact checker wasn't working, but uh, 12 by 23 feet, the, the five feet deep, that's... That's why we designed Why not go deeper? Unless you're doing oompa loompas or something. Sounds like a lap pool. Yeah, well, this is what a lot of dive shops have started to put in are these pools. And it's not for scuba diving as, as much as they're scuba diving. There's a lot of money to be made in, in swimming programs. So like you said, lap pools, uh, aerobics, physical therapy. So that's why a lot of them have done it. So I keep looking. I, I keep engineering different ways to make a deep scuba pool. To me, you have to have at least 14, 16 feet. That's what I like if I were doing it. I, I like it when it starts there at the three foot and then goes down. Well, I am going to put in my backyard a scuba depth body of water. I actually even got my daughter to agree to uh, dig it by hand. I don't think she knows what she's committed to. <laughs> and then we have the barge sinks. It will become Joe Patty's Memorial Reef near Pensacola Beach. This is in Florida on uh, Wednesday morning. A pastor threw holy water on the rusty barge that was moored to a weathered dock. About 70 people had gathered outside Joe Patty's Seafood to watch Father John Lacari of St. Anne's Catholic Church in Bellevue bless the retired deck barge for its final voyage. It was scuttled four miles outside of Pensacola Pass in the Gulf of Mexico. The sea is a symbol of resurrection, he told the crowd. Uh, Robert Turpin uh, County Marine Resource Manager called the structure a great addition to our artificial reef inventory. He said the barge had become home for many species of fish, including grouper, snapper, and flounder. As far as we know, fish don't know the difference between real and artificial reefs. They seem to be attracted to both in equal quantities. I was curious what all the signs on it were. Yeah, it looks like they were fairly decorated. There's, uh, I saw one shot yesterday, the day before, somebody had posted on Twitter. And the one facing forward says uh, Joe Patty Memorial Reef. And there was also some artwork. Uh, looked like sculptures or stuff that may, might have been put in a, on the top of it. Let's see. A couple of look like religious sayings also. Which kind of goes along with the, uh, let's see, going through do they, quite a bit of photos. Now, I'm looking at one that on the last day the Lord will raise the dead from the sea, dedicated to our locals lost at sea. Yeah, I'm looking at one and it says, 
It's got a hard hat diver and it says Viking diving, so a steel silhouette. So it looks like somebody got a plasma cutter program and they did some artwork. Yeah, and then I see the one you're talking about. Or advertisements to get the money enough to do it. That'd be good. I mean, I'd be okay with even this for something to dive on in Lake Michigan. Well, we just have two of them. We just got to relocate the suckers. <laughs> there you go. And it sinks down below the bottom. So another object, Florida, again. They got warm water in artificial reefs. They just want everything. And here's what I want to do if I had to be a spirit. I'd be haunting underwater. Sunken spirits, divers share true tales of underwater ghosts. Florida's paranormal divers are the world's first underwater paranormal investigation team. It has searched for signs of spirits in just about every water there is and had a few eerie experiences along the way. In one particular case, they said they saw a weird, unexplained light phenomenon in the water under Tampa's Sunshine Skyway Bridge. The original Skyway collapsed in 1987, 35 motors plunging to their death. The bridge is also a popular site for suicides. Over 200 people have been jumped to their death since the Navy's Banned construction in 1987. One man was forced to leap at gunpoint. Could these deaths have something to do with the strange sightings? And they talk about uh, Turk Lagoon and also disappearing divers. I like that photo of the trucks and the Truck Lagoon one. Yeah. That's yeah tr awesome. Truck Lagoon has always been amazing when you see those photos. Yeah. Just the skulls and everything all mixed around there. Just thought that was an interesting take on it. And then we got some potentially cool scuba gear. Or I, I guess I, I guess any scuba gear you can get for nearly free, or at least free to you. Small town cops have been scoring military gear. The 1033 program allows law enforcement agencies to get a hold of equipment the military is no longer using. Last year, $546 million in property was transferred. The Army has gear just laying around. Cops might as well make use of it. But investigation has found that many of the department's are taking equipment that they have no reason to need. And what caught my eye is the deepest body of water in a small farming town in Morvan, Georgia, is a shallow creek, but the police chief has nabbed three boats, scuba gear, rescue rafts, and a dozen of the life preservers. The population has also taken 200000 in decontamination machine in need of $100,000 to repair, shipment of bayonets, 10 combat tents, exercise equipment, 20 pairs of gym shorts, all in which a town that only has three full-time officers. The town has, has accumulated $4 million worth of stuff for the past decade. At what cost to them? Very little. Oh, nothing. I mean, so far, I mean, probably to store it. Now, I wonder, there's, there's got to be some strings attached, like you can't sell it right away. My understanding is there are rules and regulations for it, but the issue, uh, actually, there's an article like this in today's paper, in your, or the Herald Palladium, uh, and they talked about the first one right off the bat. And they were talking about the, our rules and regs, but it, it appears that no one in the government is going through and revalidating that people are abiding by the requirements. So you could take it and then <clears throat> repurpose it to create funds for your program. Well, I'm, the day before yesterday, there was another article, and I don't remember which town it was here in Michigan, just got one of those brand-new super whammy dying mine-resistant um, vehicles that you've seen talked about on the conspiracy items on the websites. Yep. They just got one, uh, and they're turning in their APC, which is an armored personnel carrier, in its place. And they said they needed it very badly because uh, they work in rural areas, and quite often they have to drive a 
50, 60, 100 yards up to somebody's house. And without that, they're open meat. You know, they're just targets if somebody really wanted to get them. So they really need this. Like, how often do they use that? Hopefully not very often. Well, I know when I was in the department, other than parades and training exercises, I think we ended up using it four times. But it did come in, it does come in handy. We did have tactical standoffs where you've got somebody heavily armed firing. So, you know, you hate to have to deny an officer some protection, but I wasn't a big fan of seeing in Boston these armored personnel carriers going down the street. Yeah, at the uh, last air show, not air show, but uh, Pancake Breakfast over in Michigan City, they had their SWAT vehicle, which was a modified Humvee for their SWAT teams. Yeah. And I, I can see that because it's also good during uh, weather emergencies, things like that. That's true. It, it can get places that... Uh, a, lot, a car or truck may not yeah. get to. Yeah. So uh, a mine resistant. I'm not quite sure we're ready for that yet. Yeah. Hopefully we don't need it. But yeah. Yeah. Like Bering Springs here, we've got two uh, military grade Hummers. And if you notice when they, when they drive them around town, they got big stickers in the side saying this vehicle is not paid for with taxpayer money. It's what is not was not paid for with taxpayer money. The hell it wasn't. Well, I think what they're referring to is that they didn't right. that local the <clears throat> local money. Yeah. yeah. Ain't nothing for free people. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you can buy Hummers. They've got Hummers for sale right now in Maryland, but you have to demilitarize them and then scrap them. Oh, they're making you scrap them. Yeah. I was looking at some, but you have to scrap them. They cannot be used on the road. Scrap use only. Yeah. Then why bother? Yeah. 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 If you want to buy them for scrap value. If that's true, the government ought to be scrapping them themselves and getting the freaking money to pay the bills. Right. Yeah. What is the, they too busy, too important to manage a crew to have to go and scrap them? Probably some liability issue with the making sure that all the waste products go to wherever they're supposed to be. Lord knows. Well, this next one, we have an underwater crab robot takes the first plunge. And I had to post this one because it reminded me so much of what Bob's building. Bob Sweeney, one of the divers that we go with, uh, he's building a robot with six legs just like this one. But his isn't underwater. I, th- I think it should be. We should maybe encourage him to modify it. Well, I think he's talking about that once he gets his project completed, he's going to turn his attention to an ROV. Yeah, oh. I'm, I'm hoping that's going to be our, our winter group project. Yeah, that we should. Well, I think probably what we need to do is first just come up with a design probably take us from now until then to design the thing up. We've back of napkin a couple things. Well, I'm a little more than PVC as far as I can see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This one is, I guess the idea is they're saying uh, it disturbs the bottom a little less, which I was kind of surprised. Uh, also in heavy currents or wave action, they said this is much more stable. Uh, the It's known affectionately as CR200, has 30 joints that closely mimic a biological crab. It can pick up and store anything it picks up off the ocean floor from wreckage and bring it up to the surface. And its frontal compartment has a 10 optical cameras and a long-range scanning sonar, which scans 200 meters or 650 feet away. It takes four people to operate. Sounds a little intense. And I bet there's a grant involved. (laughs) So, yeah, that's uh, some potentially cool scuba gear. And then this last school 
cool scuba item is we've got Shark Week coming up on the Discovery Channel again. It's that time of year. And Discovery Channel is partnered with Volkswagen. And last year they had an underwater air-powered vehicle. This year they made it a convertible. They said calling it a shark cage is kind of tongue-in-cheek. It's pretty open. They said taking the top off isn't the only adjustment made in the car. He says, uh, this year we plan to make it fly. And my browser crashed. Here it goes. We were a little surprised. We didn't understand the popularity of Shark Week. People are starving for more content, buying the scenes footage, so we wanted some more underwater scenes. So now they have a highly planned social component. Viewers can take subterranean road trips with Tipple and see what's happening through a 360-degree underwater camera. For me, it's a complete gadget and gear geek. I love to take controls of the thing and see how they work. He is a shark wrangler, marine biologist, and driver of the Volkswagen convertible. I just think of, as a shark cage, isn't that the spot that you want to have protected? Where do you see the picture? Because I don't. Yeah, it's not in your, it's not in the uh, notes. Didn't I give it to you guys? No, I, I here we go. This does help. <laughs> oh, you, you're not psychic or, or anything. Oh, I did see that. Yeah, I, I want something with a little more protection, like a big <laughs> roll cage. This is when it pays to be short. You know, the short guy. And then photo of the week. Did I give you guys a photo of the week? Better off. Yes. That, that looks like a DCT, like doesn't one. it? I don't know. You you guys are more the, the plain aficionados than I am. But, That's uh, what it looked like to me as a goonie bird. Looked to be in pretty good like condition. Visibility. Oh, yeah, that was excellent visibility. I'm going to guess that that was intentionally put there, wouldn't you say? I, I'm probably saying it was a drug plane that crashed, ah. was interdicted or something, and then sort of had to land. That didn't crash, that landed. Well, it got chained and buoyed to the surface, so, or at least that's what it looks like, a chain coming off the top of it. So there's another object to, to sink in Lake Michigan. Yeah, somebody's quarry, huh? Details. Yeah, details, details. So that does it for Scuba the News and all the related articles. So now we can get into talking about diving. Now, I did not myself get a chance to go diving, but I know that between the two of you, you probably did enough diving for everybody for a month. Well, Max was doing all the diving. I didn't get in the water. Never been getting enough. So you just throw them over? Will you slow down? Because I saw you, you. Okay, why don't you let us know what you did since last show? Okay, since last show. Let's see. Well, it was too rough to dive this. Well, too rough to dive in the big lake this weekend. So we didn't get out on the big lake. But then Tuesday we went out surveying again, and Mac checked out some targets that we identified and dove the sand wreck. And then Wednesday and Thursday you were back in the river, weren't you? Yeah. I, well, since Thursday, what twenty fifth. Yeah, I dove. Yeah, the 25th, because then we did the, uh, like I said, the, uh, that's when we were mowing the lawn to begin with that day. And then I did uh, Niles River the next day, the 26th. And on 27th, I went out to Pawpaw Lake with Mary Beth and Jake. Oh, that's right. And then, uh, let's see, went back on the 29th to Niles. Then you and I went out mowing the lawn and got the sand wreck in. Then I dove Niles again and again and again. <laughs> so he's been keeping his wetsuit wet. Absolutely. So you 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 hung up the dry suit and then you're in the wetsuit now. Well, no, I I used the the dry suit that was really I had to pour the water out when I got out on the boat 
You got to get that next seal right. I'm still blown. Either way, I'd be still warmer on the bottom with that <laughs> wet dry suit than I would have been otherwise. Because you're talking three finger mitt time, and there's not five fingers down there. Yeah, I saw looking at the buoy, the water had rolled over. Yeah. Now going back, but to, they, for those of you who knew what Darren just said, the water rolled over. We had a phenomenon here in Lake Michigan. I imagine it happens other lakes too. But the surface temperature was running in the high 70s and the bottom temperature in the 50s. And a storm came through and the surface in the bottom became about 60, 60, 65 degrees. And it hasn't stratified or cooled down yet. So you got the same temperature between the surface and the bottom. The thermoclines are gone. And usually when that happens, the visibility goes also. Now, Mac, when you dropped down on whatever it wasn't, uh, how what was this? Easy five to ten. Eh, it's okay. Yeah, it was interesting because we were looking at targets, and it's really different when you go down and you look at what the target is showing you. And you know, you can see the ripples in the sand, and then you've got the the grooves that can be 90 degrees from each other, and three inch wave action on the bottom, and five inches on your left. But all the dark spots and patches we looked at, you could physically see them, and then you swim over it, and you could spike your hand in it, and it would break through like a false top and go down another five to six inches. Really? So what we were getting is a rebound or something from that gave us pictorials that were what we want to see, not what was really there. Huh, that is bizarre. I wonder if, yeah, it's probably the difference between the rigs we've got and what the big guys use. Well, we do find, uh, we found some nice spots that look like they're going to be really big uh, valleys out there. Uh-huh. And then in the shallows, which could be a very interesting dive. We may have our own play banks and stuff here. I'm all for that. It'd be great to see what that looks like. Yeah, because Jim has got a couple of marks, and we were going to go back and just pop in there because you're talking 30 feet or less. Yeah. Now, let's see. Going back on, let's see, July 26th, you've got all the objects laid out. So you got a nice collection of bottles. Now, what is that furry thing in the middle? Oh, you mean the head? Yeah. <laughs> it was this guy clowning around up there, so we took his head. <laughs> oh, I, I'm not sure what he was, but I actually had a little fun with him. I went home and put it on a stick and then tied it in the garage. So when my daughter came home oh. and the garage door went up, there was this evil clown looking at her. And, of course, then she said, when I have nightmares, it's your fault. <laughs> you broke her thermostat and then you give her nightmares. <laughs> now, it, it has... Like a nozzle in its mouth, was that a carnival clown? Like that they we we looked that up on eBay, <laughs> and you can actually find it for ninety nine cents. Uh, it's back in the seventies, and I don't know what that really did, but it was just like a nozzle in there. I don't know if it blew up balloons or oh. you know the ones that used to have a balloon would come out and you'd keep spraying water and the balloon would break. Yeah, I don't know if that's what that was or not. Oh, that's what I was wondering when I saw that. It might be some yeah. Okay, but yeah, it is kind of freaky looking, which is maybe why he ended up in the in the lake. I don't know. Uh, the nice part is, is when you blow these up by looking at them, you can see some of the embossed on some of the bottles, even on that one, which shows up really nice. So I was very pleased with the with finds that day. It was fun. Now, is this one from yesterday? That uh, which one is that? It's, they're all dated. What date? Uh, it said 31st. Yeah, that was yesterday. And you had a lot of lead sinkers. Yes, I did. It's part I was I was trying to do a little bit of a survey. I had once heard they were talking about banning lead for fishing, 
mm-hmm. because they were saying it was so much per meter. And let me tell you, there's a heck of a lot of lead. And if you will enhance that and take a look at it, you will notice that's not what you normally buy at the store nowadays. This stuff is old. You know, we talked about that last year, and you and I did that little kind of spot check. Yeah. I want to say of less than maybe 25 square feet, we pulled up easily that amount of lead. Yeah, yeah. And either stuff gets fished a lot. I, I mean, lead's heavy. You know, it doesn't get necessarily washed down real well. It, it finds its way to the bottom. But, yeah, I was surprised how much lead was it, it was there. Right, and you're not finding it on the surface. Though. You may find some of the newer ones, but those really flat ones look like homemade or unique ones are usually a couple of inches down. That you, When you fan, you're going to suddenly realize the rocks moved, but the lead didn't. Yep. And if you look at the, what I really like, there's a lot of good uh, milks out there still, and they're all embossed in good shape. They cleaned up pretty decent. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm jealous because be, I'd love to get down there and get some of those. And then the day stuff I put under the treasure, not on the board, because I thought the turtles, that was, that's over 20 turtles on that log out there. 20 turtles. Yes. Some of those were pretty good size. They were not alligators, though, not alligator snappers. Yeah. And if you want to see what Mac's talking about, you can go to our Mud Club site, mudclub.scubaobsessed.com. And all the bottles are located in the treasures. I, I will say I was extremely pleased with one of my bottles today that when you look at it, you'll be envious. Oh, no. Okay. It's a Hood's Sarsaparilla Bob. Yeah. I don't talk much. Sarsaparilla Bob. Sarsaparilla. I'm bossed on every side, on the side sides and then the back and the front. Is that the middle top one? Yeah, that cleaned up really nice. There's a couple of milks on the side. Uh, even though that's a crown top, it was nice and bossed. That's right there by it. God, you had some more dairy again. There's this dairy up because they were different types, too. See, um, we, we must have. Left, if you blew that up all the way to the left, you'll see that one bottle that's got serrations on it. Yep. Jake got that. He was snorkeling out there with me. Uh, that's an extremely nice bottle. I like to have found that one. And the one by it is a corker also, which is pretty decent. doesn't show as well on the picture, but that's a nice little bottle he got. So he got two keepers right off the bat. That is. That is nice. So is he hooked yet? Can you get him convinced to go and take up diving? Uh, I'm out with this hookah uh, next week, and uh, we'll we'll do a little metal detecting in the shallows with him, get him used to it again. I keep scaring the hell out of him. He says he's out there doing his thing, and all of a sudden this big black object comes by him, freaks him out before he realizes it's me. I can only get me a shark, and I'd really have some fun with him. Oh, beautiful bottles. I, I'm looking at that one in the... You had a couple on the bottom there that are nice. The one with the little diamond. I'm pleased with a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I bet your wife's not pleased with a lot of them. <laughs> well, I, I I only took, I think, four or five home. And Jake took a couple that he liked, and the rest went into the dumpster out there. Oh. I keep telling you, Mac, recycle them. Yeah, if, they, if, they, if you find them and there are no scratches in. Okay, maybe the bottom four, the knee highs and the really orange crushes, they may have sort of got back into the water when nobody was watching. Uh, okay. They were just too good to, to put in the trash. I, I, won't, I won't cry so hard then. Now, is that cobalt blue, a couple of those? Yeah, one's a Vix, which is no big deal, so I tossed it. And the other's uh, milk of magnesia, nothing old. Wow. They're older than me, at least. <laughs> well, the Vix might not be. Yeah, I got my attention down there, though. Yeah. But you learn to uh, to bring that up. 
I did find one the other day, which is about as big as my, half as big as my thumb. Clear. Clear. But you hold it up to the light and you got a baby's head. Then you got writing under embossed, and I can't remember what it says right now. You flip it around. It's got one-tenth graduations, and it's the only bottle I've seen that has in the lip. There's a, there's a cut down that allows you to pour from the bottle without spilling. Never saw one like that. I think I may have one like that. Yeah, cause I, I, and I, I got it from there as well. Oh, okay. Uh, just I'm a little. find it. Yeah, I'll, I'll look through my stuff again. And see, but yeah, I've seen that before where it's got, yeah, because it's like a medicine bottle, but it can also pour. I'm trying to find it in one of the pictures. Yeah, it was unique. Uh, yeah, they're finding shotgun shells, and they looked like they were really good before somebody lost them in the water. Yeah. Now, is that, um, what's that base there? Which one what, are you on? Like uh, the one from yesterday where you've got, it's like next to a battery. Is that like a battery and then it's above the spark plug? Okay, hang on. All right, I got today's. You're talking about yesterday's. Uh, it's one. Eight, eight one people. today's find. I'll have to go back to the other picture, I suppose. Hang on. You're back at. You're not under treasures, are you? Yeah, I. I, I it was a photo from treasures. All right, I'm looking at treasures, not the top one, because that's today's. The second one under. No, is it the one today's? It's it's the one that's got. Uh, you have the the Vix bottle and the Milka Man. Okay, yeah. Okay, now what about it? Uh, all the way to the left. What's that square? Oh, that, that looked to be some kind of electrical outlet device. Oh, okay. It was nice and ceramic, upside down on the other side, nice and white, so I picked it up. Okay, and you got a nice... A lot of the spark plugs I have down there, people have, have put fishing line in it, and they're using it for weights. Yeah, it kind of... that When we're down there and you see objects that people use for fishing, it kind of gives you an idea of how the economy had to be at certain points in time. Where, or how frugal, frugal the people are who are fishing. Yeah, I mean to take a, a weight. I found uh, you know hor- multiple horsepower electric motors with rope on it that somebody was using as an anchor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you, you know, as as tough as it can appear at sometimes, I think uh, it, it's been worse. Yeah, I actually found two with corks in it. The one off to the right, that little small bottle is embossed. Had a cork in it. I like that one. Yeah, that's a nice one. Ooh, ooh, and then oh, Zoom work works on it. Oh, yeah. I shouldn't have Zoomed. Now I'm really jealous. I've left so much stuff out there for you guys. I know. I know, because I like it, because you can't see the really good stuff. Those are beautiful milk bottles. I have been fanning some big holes, so I haven't even looked at the peripherals yet. And I'll tell you what, when you get those crayfish around you and you're, you're spooking them out, mm-hmm. you'll have more fish than you can shake a stick at. Well, I know for sure I'm going to have to get down there and we do the picnic. Hopefully we don't get rain that week before. And Well, I was thinking that if nothing else, what we could do is a drift dive all the way up there from the uh, park access and drift all the way down under the railroad bridge, the two bridges, down to, down to, to the Niles area where we're going to have the picnic before the railroad bridge. Yeah, yeah. Get, out, get out at the kayak. Because in the middle, it's a gravel base. It, it gets a pretty good current. And if you just want to do a drift dive, I think that'd be fun. It would yeah, be. They have half decent bits. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, I'm jealous. I think probably while you were doing this, I was working. I, I hear people do that. I, it's a strange thing. Yeah, it's this, this freaky thing that I have it's to do for the next something about putting food on years. the table, whatever that means. Yeah. So what do we got planned for this weekend? Well, Ann Arbor the- 5 on Sunday. <laughs> uh, you got the Ann Arbor 5. I will probably be in Pawpaw on Sunday. I got out. They're doing beach jumps 
yeah, in Michigan City on Saturday. So I'd like to get a beach job done. And tomorrow I'm waiting for a freaking electrician to come to my house to help solve a problem. So uh oh, no diving tomorrow until, or at least if he finds it in a hurry, maybe I can go in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, I was planning on diving Sunday, but I got to travel for work, so I'm I'm trying to decide. I I could fit a dive in, but if I do, that means I'm traveling till like midnight. Yeah, which makes for a rough start to a week where I'm traveling, and then the following week. Will be on. It'll be the youth fair. So, oh, th- that reminds me. There, there will be no show next Thursday. And I don't know about the following Thursday. I have to play play it by ear. So next Thursday will be a bye week. Okay. Well, I know the tenth. I'll be up in Bristol at the Ren Fair. And on the seventeenth, if you're interested, going out to the uh, Bend of the River Conservation Club. They're having their annual picnic, and they have the uh, stages. You know, each of their uh, sites down below where you uh-huh. make noises. They're going to have those set up for, like, the IDPA, six-gun. My understanding, they may have some crossbow targets and longbow. So the kids have a an opportunity, when I say kids, supervised opportunity to uh, try something like that. That might be something you want to consider. And then, of course, the 24th is the club picnic. And hopefully we will have good weather. Hopefully. So you said it's the 24th. So. Yes, sir. Saturday. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I think I'm... I should be open for that, provided I'm not traveling again. I, I will be taking about a week and a half off in between there. There could be uh, a dive before and after. So maybe the 9th, this next Friday, I'll be getting into town Thursday night. So maybe the 9th, I don't know, I'm, my, my wife might not let me, but then I'll have the 19th. And then maybe during the fair, I might pick a day and try and get a dive in somewhere. I think I said that famously last year. Well, the fair we'll is what? see what day the weather looks good, and we'll uh, get you out. Yep. It'll we got good. some good quality time out there on the lake doing some scanning. I'll say we may not have found something, but we know where things are. That's right. That counts. Because we know so there's stuff there. I screen wondering, what is that object we just looked at? And after a while, boy, I start telling us, well, it could be a sailboat, or it could be something. <laughs> <laughs> you keep hoping. It's kind of like looking at the face of Mars. Yep. And I was thinking, Jim, what we need to do that we've talked about is get a freaking grappling hook. Yeah. And that'll save us a dive. Yeah. So you're well, you're, you're up for up. grappling hook? Well, we, we've hit some nice bumps, and I do mean some nice bumps. You saw the ones I posted on the uh, the fish, right? The yeah. uh, fish ball? Yeah. I can't believe it. We're going to start taking fishing poles with us, too, because we have, I mean, God, that, that had to be hundreds of fish in there. But we're finding bumps that it would be simpler if we were dragging because we can find the bump again, whether we find it on side scan or not, using the sonar down. And if we drug over it again and it snags, now you got a direct access right down to what you just entangled. Yeah. Well, I, I've got my... You go down, down and unhook your, your bag with a lift bag. Yeah, I, but I this told, way you know you're on something. I told my son he needs to weld us up some some grapple. Uh, so. Well, Tell you what, I'll, I'll I'll bend it and bring it over, and he can do the welding for me because I got to come over and pick up my tanks anyway. Yeah. Oh, did you have an argon tank to be hydro, Jim? It failed. Yeah, that's what I was going to tell you. If you didn't know, I took yeah, a well, look at it. <laughs> they called me. I got to go pick it up, use it for a bell or an anchor or a weight or something. That's sad. They, they were saying make chimes out of it. Yeah, it's got a crack in the neck. Ugh. So I don't want a chance filling it. You know, that, they've had a couple of the tanks they've tested this year that were actually bad, which is unusual. 
I mean, wolf is not testing them, but when they're sending them out, there's another one by yours. So I don't know if it's just because they're old tanks or what's going on with the uh, failure rate lately. Yeah, maybe it's just the age of some of these materials are finally giving up the ghost. Yeah, it could be. I mean, there's a reason why we hydro. Yeah. And, and it's good that we do it, as much as I hate to pay the expense. Better to fail at a hydro than on your back. Might be might be cool for a couple seconds. <laughs> so uh, make sure you go over to our website, www.scubaobsessed.com. You can also catch us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash scubaobsessed. Scoop, it's been getting a lot of activity. been posting articles on that. So if you want to keep up on Scoop in the News during the week between shows, you can always go there as well. Jim, you got anything to plug? Uh, just my dry suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I need to put some plugs in that. Yeah, I, I think Jim got his uh, dry suit plugged as well. <clears throat> so I think he's ready for Sunday. I think we're to that time of the show. I understand there's some divers going to White Star this weekend as well. So White Star is always a good location to go do some diving. I I need to get over there. Summer's running out, and I don't know when I can fit in a day to make it, but I need to. That's what I'm doing. It's like it's suddenly August, and it's like, damn, I haven't been doing what I want to do. I think you're going to hit 100 dives in August (laughs) or maybe 100 hours. Probably not. Oh, I'll have the hours maybe. But, <laughs> I mean, as shallow as we're working, I'm getting an hour and a half easy out of the tank, and I'm still coming back with almost a thousand pounds. Well, that's what I, f- I found is uh, with doing the shallow river dives when we when we hit it is even if I left at you know we get in the water at nine in the morning, we, I wasn't getting out till three in the afternoon. <laughs> that's exactly right. I mean, I, I'm I'm trying for nine o'clock, uh, and that's I do two tank, and you're talking three o'clock. Yeah, you chew up a bunch of time. Yep, but what a way to pass the time. Oh, heck yes. Well, I want to thank you. The still out there. The bicycles are still out there, so when you get out there, it'll be familiar to you. Good, so at least I have some familiar landmarks. Yes. I'd like to thank everybody who came in the chat room. We had Paul, we had Roger, we had Lisa tweeting some new faces. I think we also had Steve there calling in from out, from the via the telephone. So thank you, everybody, who's been listening in. And it is that time of the show. Are you ready? Red eye. Ready. I've okay. been waiting for it since the beginning. Okay, let me just gotta get this just the right size so I can read it. Okay. Many years ago, a scuba diver's wife blessed her husband with twin sons. They loved the children very much, but couldn't think of what to name the children. Finally, after several days, the diver said, let's not decide on names right now. If we wait a little while, the names will simply occur to us. After several weeks had passed, the diver and his wife noticed a particular fact. When left alone, one of the boys would always turn towards the sea, while the other boy would face inland. It didn't matter which way the parents positioned the children, the same child always faced the same direction. Let's call the boys toward and away, suggested the diver. His wife agreed. From that point on, the boys were simply known as towards and away. And years passed, and the lads grew tall and strong. The day came when the aging scuba diver said to his sons, Boys, it's time that you learned how to make a living from the sea which seems ironic for a scuba diver. They provisioned their ship and said their goodbyes set for the sail for a three-month voyage. The three months passed quickly for the diver's wife, yet the ship did not return. After three more months had passed, still no ship. Three whole years passed before the grieving woman saw a lone man walking towards her house. She recognized it as her husband. My goodness, what happened to my darling boy? she cried. 
The ragged diver began to tell his story. We were just barely one whole day out to sea when Tords hooked this giant fish. Tords fought long and hard, but the fish was more than his equal, and for a whole week they wrestled upon the waves without either of them letting up. Yet eventually the great fish started to win the battle, and Tords was pulled over the side of the ship without any gear on. He was swallowed whole, and we never saw either of them again. Oh dear, that must have been terrible. What a huge fish must have been. Yes, it was, but you should have seen the one that got away. Their, their names were wow <laughs> <laughs> remember the one the other day you said it was probably going to be the best worst best worst <laughs> yeah I, I, I think it's been superseded <laughs> crickets crickets yeah yeah <laughs> crickets crickets Okay, well, until next time, if there is a next time, go out there and get wet. And stay safe, guys. And just hope we get a really bad scuba joke like we had tonight. Recording has been completed. You're on a roll there on those jokes. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, tonight I found about four or five of them, and yeah, I, I, I figured that one was groan worthy. Oh, 